Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. You know, I, I was thinking back during worship. I, I remember when, when Pastor James and I were single, our Friday nights, we would go bowling, we'd go fishing, and then we would wake up in the morning. So we'd go fishing like all night, and then we would come back and we would worship for like the whole morning. And it was just, it was simple. We'd be on the carpet at his house, throwing some music, and we would just worship. No platform, no audience, just us and the Lord. And I can honestly say that that heart has never changed. God has just cultivated that more and more over the years. The closer that you, the closer that you get to the Lord and you understand who he is and his holiness and his majesty and his righteousness and his goodness and his grace. You know, we've talked about recently, and especially in our theology class, our theology equip group that we've been holding here on Tuesdays, man, there's just this beautiful collision where we grow in our knowledge of God's holiness and we also at the same time grow in the knowledge of our sinfulness and the cross gets more sweeter and more beautiful and more majestic and more powerful and the good news of the gospel shines all the brighter and I just I'm I'm just so humbled today to be with you guys I love love the fact that Jack and I we get to pastor this great church and it's, it's it's an honor it's a gift uh, it's a privilege. This is this is God's church, and it's just special. So, Lord, I just pray that as we open up your word today, oh, would you speak to us, God? In fact, we're going to do a short series entitled When God Speaks. And, Lord, I just pray that this morning you would speak your clarity into our chaos. God, help us to hear you. Help us to be able to discern your voice. Speak to us in a way that only you can. We just open up our hearts to you this morning, and we thank you, God, that we serve the God whose arm is not too short and whose ear is not deaf to our cry, the living God, the true God. We look to you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Well, I want to speak to you around this idea of clarity and the chaos. And the, the, the life verse for this series is, comes out of John chapter 10, verse 3 and 5. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. You know, one of the interesting things about sheep is they said that for sheep and shepherds, there is this dynamic where two shepherds in two different flocks can cross the street, have all their sheep integrate, and the moment the shepherd makes whatever weird noise, because a lot of shepherds have their own call, but once the voice rings out that sound, all those sheep begin to separate on their own as they follow the shepherd. And so, so I would say that when we, think, when we talk about hearing the voice of God or when God speaks, it's not just how we're hearing, but whose we are. 
I just don't want you to think, how, are we, how do I hear? I want you to think, who do you belong to? Because it says this, when he has brought out all of his own sheep, that's what we all want, don't we? Like, Lord, bring us out. Lord, bring us out into green pastures and still waters. Bring us out of the chaos into your life-giving presence. He says, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. We all want God to, to lead us out, but we also need God to go before us. Some of us, we, we need God to go ahead of us. Before you say that, let God go ahead of you. Before you do that, wait, wait, let, let him go out in front. Then it says this, it says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. They will run away from all competing voices. We were walking down the street yesterday, walking our little bulldog down the street, and my neighbor, he's doing a little jog, and he comes up, and he says, hey, and she stops, and she looks at him, and she's like, I don't know your voice, and she makes a little, little U-turn around him and, and keeps it moving. Do you know his voice today? And what competing voices are there in your heart and in your mind? I, I remember the first time that I recognized the voice of God speaking to me. I think I was about seven years old. We were on 580 freeway, headed into Castro Valley. And I'll never forget, it was like an El Nino moment where the, it was pouring so bad that my mom pulled over onto the side of the road. It was just one of those days where it was, it, was, it was dumping. So much so that when you're in a little Toyota Corolla, you know, back in the 80s, it's not, it wasn't safe. There's no traction control. It's, it's, it was a different day. And so she pulls onto the side, and I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. God did not speak to me audibly, but in my heart of hearts, I just sensed the Lord say, hold on and relax. And I grabbed onto the side of my seat, and I relaxed, and we got smashed from behind. Full speed, like somebody full speed on the freeway smashes from behind. I looked over, my mom got injured. Uh, but by the grace of God, I didn't. And I don't know why that happened. I don't know why God spoke to me and not to her. Maybe I was listening. I don't know. Shots fired, mom. I love you. Just kidding. Just kidding. But he led me out. I left that car crash without a scratch, without any bruises, any sprains. I walked away from that thing from a totaled accident, totally fine. He went ahead. He went out in front, and it was so clear what I was to do. I just have a question today is, is what if in this season of your life you could hear God more clearly than ever? Like, how would life change in this moment? How would everything change if you could hear God more clear than you ever have in this season? But I think when we, when we think about hearing God, we also have to start with who we're listening to. We have to start with what are we listening to? Because there's so much noise. There's so much chaos we have never lived in a time where there has been more noise. You know, we are living in a digital market. And it is unbelievably amazing, but it's also very loud. And so many times I, I, I see people in the arena of life, and it almost feels like at one time everything is pouring in. Anybody feel like that? One thing after another. Right. And sometimes I have to stop people in our conversations and say, hey, you just told me four things. Don't put all those in one pot. Let's look at those each individually. 
Because the temptation is, it's just we're getting dumped on from so many areas. There's so many things happening all the time. There's so many things consuming our thoughts and our minds. We have our career, our relationships, health, pain. We have a grandstand around us in this arena of life, and there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of speaking. There's a lot of screaming. There's some cheering. Some of it's good. A lot of times it's not so good. There's just a lot of voices competing for our time, for our attention, and for our affection. So, so I, w- I would say that there are a couple of voices. We have the now voices. And the now voices is, is really the voice of everything around us now. Friends, family, kids, spouse, culture, digital market, virtual. There's just so many now voices that are in our pocket, that are around us every single day. A lot of the voices are good. Some of them aren't. But nevertheless, there's a lot of noise. Then we have the enemy's voice. The enemy loves to be in our grandstand, doesn't he? He wants front row tickets. Wants to make sure he, you can hear him on the field. It's a voice of deception, of perversion. It's a voice of guilt, shame, and condemnation, lust, and greed, comparison. The Bible says that he is the, the father of lies, there's a lot of noise. And then we have past voices. We have past voices, maybe a friend, something they said, maybe a wound. It's amazing how far wounds will carry into your adulthood. It could have been a childhood friend. It could have been a father. It could have been a leader. It could have been somebody that, that meant something to you and there was a negative voice. It could also be positive. It's interesting, though, how... We tend to lean into the negative more than the positive. Do you notice that? Like, I could get five people come up and say, man, that was an incredible sermon. But one person says, yeah, you need some work. And how many of you guys know it's easy to go home thinking about that one voice? And so we have these these past voices that many times our, our decisions are filtered through. Maybe it was a breakup. Maybe it was a rival. And we're trying to wrestle through all of this. And then... Then lastly, we have the internal voice, the self-talk, like what you say to yourself every day, both the encouraging ones and the negative ones. Like I said, a lot of times the negative tends to dominate phrases like, I'm not good enough. Maybe I should have done this. I wish I was more successful. I should be further along than I am now. I should be doing better. And can I just tell you, we can list a ton of other voices, that are yelling into our grandson. I'll never forget Dr. Archibald Hart from Fuller Theological Seminary. He is the first one that introduced me to this reality of, uh, of, of the grandson. He said, there's a lot of things shouting at you. There's a lot of things trying to frame your life. And in the midst of all the voices, many times it's God's voice that gets crowded out. God is trying to permeate within the frame because he's speaking But there's so much white noise, there's so much noise that it can be really hard to hear him. Because all these other voices, they're framing our life, they're framing our thoughts, they're framing our ideas. And what we end up with is our lives are full of voices, but little clarity. Lots of noise, but not a lot of clarity. And so if we're not careful, if we're not careful, our grandstand will begin to shape our ideas about God, 
rather than God shaping our ideas of everything else. So in other words, we begin to filter God through the frame of all of these voices rather than letting God be our frame and filtering all these voices through him, through the one true voice that matters. And so, so when you look at this, clarity. What would life look like if you had clarity in this season? I love what Dallas Willard says. He says it this way. He says, there's no avoidance. There's no avoiding the fact that we live at the mercy of our ideas. This is never more true than with our ideas about God. What is shaping and framing your life in regards to who God is and how you see the world? What does God even sound like? Well, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he says, for since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Like, like creation, God is speaking through the vastness. He's expressing his glory, his grandeur. God is declaring his intricacy and his detail. All throughout creation, we look and God is saying, I am. I am that I am. I remember being in Kauai and hiking to, to Waimea Canyon. Beautiful time. My girls, I was so proud of them. They hiked four miles in. Oh, no, four miles total. I think it was four miles total. But it was scary. There were cliffs and some tough terrain, some mud we had to trek through and slip in. Jackie slipped on a stick and, like, stabbed her right in the behind. It was like we had the time of our life with that. My kids love that. But, but there was something about standing and looking into the canyon. This is like the Grand Canyon of Hawaii. And you just feel the majesty. I remember hanging off of a tree, waterfall right there, just looking at this canyon. And just being overwhelmed by God, you are so much bigger. You are sovereign over all things. Your omnipotence, your omniscience, your omnipresence, right? You're all powerful. You're all knowing. You're all present. Like, my Lord. And, and, and God is is revealing all of this, and he doesn't even have to say a word. It's just creation is crying. He is. The universe is in his hands. Some scholars would say this is the, the transcendent voice of God, that God's voice is transcendent, which means it, it, its existence or experience is beyond the normal physical level. Like God's voice is beyond what you and I can fathom. And some of you, even if you're not a Christian, you guys have experienced this where you've just looked up at the stars at one point and were blown away. Galaxies upon galaxies. Or maybe you held your child for the first time or a family member's child and you just thought, whoa, what in the world? And so God's voice is transcendent. It's, it, it, it's huge. Creation screams that God is, that he is bigger, which can I just tell you that that's really comforting, especially when you look at all of that in the context of our issues, of our problems, of our needs. God says, I, I got it. So God's voice is tra transcendent, but at the very same time, God's voice is intimate. It's very close. Transcendence, he's still close, but it can feel distant. But God is also very Intimate, 1 Kings chapter 19, the prophet Elisha just gets done accomplishing this assignment 
that God has given him. There's, there was a standoff between the one true living God and the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Fire comes down from heaven. Elisha calls it down, consumes the prophets, all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And there's a great victory that the one true God is alive and well. There's no contesting. There's no comparing. God has spoken. Well, Elijah's thinking at this moment, it's gonna, this is going to change everything. But it didn't really change much. In fact, it says now Ahab and Jezebel, who were ruling the region at the time, uh, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And so right away, after this incredible victory, Elisha is approached with the enemy's voice. And then we continue, and as a result, it says that Elisha was afraid and ran. I think that behind Ahab and Jezebel, it, it wasn't just their threats. There was a spirit of fear behind that. The Bible a lot of times speaks about Jezebel as a demonic entity. Deception, fear. And so what happens to him, he's afraid and he runs for his life. And when he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant. So his servant is now, is the now voice. It's the responsibility of life. I have responsibilities. I have a calling. I have work to do. He leaves his servant, and while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a, a broom bush, a very in, unimpressive spot. And he sat under there, and he prayed that he might die, internal voice. It's over. I just can't take it anymore. It's not going to work. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, and I am no better than my ancestors past. So right now, Elisha is in this moment, just has this incredible feat with God. God is doing amazing things through his life, but now the frame is messed up. He has Ahab and Jezebel. They send a message. A spirit of fear is, is, is tormenting him. Doesn't want to deal with the responsibilities, overwhelmed with just the, the, the normal things of life. His internal voice says, take your life. Matter of fact, he knows he can't take his life. So he asks God to take his life. And then he looks back at his ancestors like, man, it's, it's no different. He's weary. He's tired. He wants to die. And what does God do first? How does God speak to him? Well, it says that once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water and he ate and drank and then he laid down again. How many of you guys know that for some of you, this is your language? Food is your language. Like as I read this, you were like, yes and amen. Lord, you can speak to me like that anytime. But it's interesting that an angel shows up, but differently than the way angels show up throughout the rest of scripture. Like the angel doesn't show up and say, fear not, behold, repent. You wanna talk about it? Angel doesn't say any of those things. He cooks. Come on, H2O, hospitality overflow. That's our vision for this year. 
But God is, is, is serving him. God is cooking for him. Hospitality. God is so wise. So many times God is speaking. And many times we're not listening because we think we know what we need, but God knows what we need more than we know what we need. And let me show you the wisdom of God in this. See, as Christians, when somebody is depressed, despondent, discouraged, we normally start with troubleshooting. Okay, well, have you prayed today? Do you have a lack of faith? Have you confessed any known sin? Have you pleaded the blood? You've stopped being grateful, haven't you? And we kind of go down our list, right? And, And all those things like, those are good questions to ask. But God is so wise that he knows that we're not just spiritual beings, but physical ones. I mean, don't get me wrong. Prayer is always good. But sometimes when we're despondent, discouraged, God knows what we need better than what we need. Sometimes when we're tired, we don't need a lecture. We don't need a sermon. We may need to walk on the Pleasanton Ridge. We may need to sit at the beach at Half Moon Bay and watch the waves crash, eat some barbecue and sleep in. Come on, you're like, man, I love this church. Love this church. And so God starts there with his physical nature, but also relational nature, because look what the angel did. He touched and he spoke. He touched and he cooked. He knows that he's not just a physical being, but a relational being. Sometimes we just need a touch from God. A moment to let us know, I'm here, and I'm going to give you what you need. And so, so what does the Lord do? The Lord addresses this discouraged, depressed, despondent man in all dimensions, physical, relational, emotional, and psychological, and spiritual. And a lot of times where, where we get in trouble is, is when we want, to, uh, we want to cancel out many of those and resolve our lives just to one of those things. Let me give you an example. If you are... A person of science, but not a believer. You may reduce everything to physical. So if you're discouraged or depressed, let's get you some medication. If you're a moralist or a religious person and everything is all spiritual, medicine would be like a lack of faith. If it's all psychological, you may say, hey, we need to talk, but I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to give you any advice. I'm just going to listen. And can I just tell you, when you have a worldview that reduces everything to one of those without seeing that God has created all of those, you will be unable to deal with the complex realities of life. Because the God of the Bible addressed each, he invented each one of these realities. And he deals with them all in this moment so that Elijah is able to stand and get what he needs in this place. So this, this happens a couple times. Goes back to sleep, wakes up, man, more food, more rest, and then he goes on a, a 40-day fast and a journey to Mount Sinai. And we, we don't know why he was going there, but Mount Sinai is where God had revealed himself to Moses and the Israelites. I, I believe that Elisha was, he was looking, he was searching. There wasn't, there, there was no clarity. He thought but what he thought is, is not what he thought. And he's looking for a word from God. And so, so he gets there and the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elisha? Elisha replied, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty. So he just throws himself, hey, just want to remind you. I have been serving you faithfully, 
But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. Major exaggeration. His frame is distorted. It's not true. The voices in his frame are distorting the reality. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Now, notice how the Lord just does a lot of listening in this chapter. He does a lot of listening. Like, God is not asking him a question because God is trying to get some info from him. Like, Elisha, what are you doing here? My goodness, you look terrible. What's happening? No, he's letting him talk. Because the reality is this, is Elisha had a plan. That's why he's discouraged. He had a plan, and it did not go according to plan. It's like the apostles thought that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome, and he didn't. He came for something much greater. Many people departed. When the cross came, many people departed. They're like, oh, we thought you were the one. We had a plan. We thought you were the one. I killed the prophets of Baal, Elijah saying, surely Ahab and Jezebel would have bowed their knee to the living God and we all would have rode off happily ever after. See, the reality is, is God has not let him down. His plan has let him down. And God is saying, Elisha, you're not going to be able to put me in a box. Elisha's like, but I had a plan. So look what the Lord, the Lord says. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Now, most scholars believe that Elisha is now in the part of the rock or the cave that Moses was. Remember when Moses declared, as we sung earlier, show me your glory. I want to know you. I want to see you. The Lord says, hide yourself in the rock, and I'm going to pass by. Most scholars believe that Elisha is in the same crevice, the same cave. And it's interesting because many times when this is preached, it's, it's almost like, well, God is never any of those things. He's only the gentle whisper. But it's not true. How did God appear to Moses? Burning bush, fire. How did he appear to Israel on Mount Sinai? Earthquake. How about the apostles in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit descended on the church? Wind. And now hear a gentle whisper. What God is saying is you can't put me in a box. You cannot put me in a box. You think God is going to show up as fire and he shows up as wind. You think he's going to show up as wind, he shows up as a quake. You think an earthquake shows up as a whisper. And this just speaks to the wisdom of God. Martha and Mary, John chapter 11, their brother dies and they want some, they have some questions. And so Martha says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I, I know that. You're the Messiah, and at the end of all things, we'll resurrect. And then Jesus stops her and says, listen, he says, no, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He gives her a sermon. He gives her a lecture. Mary comes, and she's weeping. Lord, if you would have only been here. She doesn't get a sermon. What does Jesus do? He starts to weep. 
Martha got a lecture. Mary got some tears. Why? Because different hearts need different things, and God knows what you need. God knows what you need in the moment. And so, but, but, but what God is leading to here is that the ultimate way, the ultimate way that God speaks is through his voice. Like what penetrates the hearts of men and women? God says, my voice, my spirit through my word pierces the hardest of hearts, can take your heart of stone and turn it to flesh. The ultimate way that God is going to speak to you. Can I just tell you, the ultimate way that God is going to speak to you is through his word, through the scripture. Can we just settle that? You're going to hear me say that all throughout the series just because I need to, because it's important that you hear that over and over and over again. But God says, listen, I know, Elisha, the, the, Mount Carmel was spectacular. I mean, it wasn't a cool, like, consume the prophets of Baal, fire came down. Amazing. But it's almost like he's trying to get his heart off of the spectacular. It's like we thank God for the Mount Carmel moments. We thank God for the miracles he does. We thank God for the spectacular answers to prayer. But when nothing is spectacular, that does not mean that God doesn't have a plan. So he calls down fire from heaven, and guess what? Everything is still the same. The ruler's hearts haven't changed. The land is still in trouble. Nothing has changed. And so Elisha's like, it, it didn't work. My plan didn't work, and it's right. Yeah, your plan didn't, but God still has a plan when yours doesn't work. And God is seen from a place that nobody else can see from. So just because nothing spectacular is happening in Elisha, just because it's not spectacular right now, don't miss this. Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a story. Sorry, my voice. I was worshiping loud this morning. <laughs> Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells the story of a rich man dies and goes to hell. And it's a story. It's not, Jesus wasn't telling a true story. He was, he's using this as an example. And he says that, that Father Abraham appeared to him and the man is in sheer torment. He's saying, man, like almost paraphrasing, if I would have known it was this bad. He said, so can you send somebody back from the dead to tell my brothers? Please. And Jesus responds in these words. And he said that Abraham's response in the story was that they did not listen to Moses and the prophets. They will not listen to somebody who comes back from the dead. In other words, a lot of times we think spectacular is what changes hearts. But God says, no, it's always my voice. It's always my voice by my spirit through the word through the scripture, through the gentle whisper. And so a lot of times when we don't see wind, we don't see fire or things aren't shaking, we think God's not moving. Oh, thanks, Steve. Love you, man. We think, look at that hospitality. It's living out the vision right here on a Sunday. Come on. And so we think because the wind's not blowing, fire's not blazing, and the earth isn't shaking, that maybe God isn't moving. So many times we ignore the word 
because we're looking for something spectacular and we miss the whisper. We miss the random Wednesday morning where God wants to speak to you. So, so think about it. You guys ready for this? God said, go out and stand, but he did it. Even Elisha was not moved by the wind, by the fire, or by the earthquake. It wasn't until the gentle whisper, when Elisha heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Even Elisha was only moved by the whisper. And so you can have the signs in the sky, incredible encounters with God, and we, we contend for all of that here. But you're still going to need the scriptures to confirm it's all legit. But nothing will change your life like hearing the voice of God through the scripture. God speaking to your heart with the affirmation of the scripture bearing witness that what God is saying is true. And so, so God's voice is still, I mean, think about this, so powerful, let there be light. And those words are still going throughout the galaxies, the universe creating. God is the one who did all of it, part of the sea, raised the dead, healed the leopard, opened up blind eyes, set the oppressed free. God's voice is a voice of conviction. It's a voice of creation. It's a voice of healing of revelation, of grace, of holiness. Can I just say his voice is a, a voice of holiness and conviction? Love, joy, gentle, yet powerful. So he shows up as a whisper, a whisper. Now, Mark Batterson wrote an incredible book. I think it's called The Whisper of God or The God Whisperer. Just whisper, I don't know, one of those. You can go check it out. But in his book, he talks about the idea of a whisper is using breath to speak instead of your vocal cords. And breath has like huge theological implications, doesn't it? It was with breath that God formed man. He breathed life into Adam from the dust. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, for all scripture is God breathed. When God breathes on stuff, how many guys know there's life? But why the whisper? Now, most theologians would, would give you a plethora of different answers, but they all agree on one thing, is that whenever you're whispering, there's this idea of we want you to be closer. I want you to be closer to me. I want you to hear my voice, right? If you're whispering to somebody, like your kids, you can say, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. And then they're like, they're leaning in, what, what? Mark Batterson says in his book, he says, I don't think God wants us close just so we can hear his voice, but so close that so we can catch his heart. Because th think about this, God is not just want you to hear his voice, he's wanting closeness, he's wanting intimacy with us. And so, so you get this picture of, of calling your kids in closer, Come here, Holy. Come here, Happy. Come here, Anna. What do you want? Oh, come here. And you just like beta man, give a big hug. And like, I want you to be with me. I want you to lean in. We see breakthrough as a result of God's breath. 
as he told Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones, the breath of God over death brings life. And so, so what's happening to Elisha in this moment, are you, guys, are you guys ready for this? What's happening is all of a sudden, he goes from chaos framing his life to clarity. Because now he, he, he's hearing again, God said, go back the way you came. I want you to go back the way you came. What do I do? I just took this 40-day journey to hear from God, and what does God say? Go back. It's the same thing that he told the disciples who were discouraged in Luke chapter 24. As they thought that Jesus hadn't risen from the dead and Jesus reveals himself to them on this walk. And what does he tell them to do? He reveals himself and then he vanishes. But what do they end up doing? They get up and they go back to Jerusalem. Because they were about to miss something pretty significant called the birthing of the first church that God had called them to be a part of. Think about that. They were about to miss it. God said, go back. Elisha's fighting for clarity. And for the first time in this short season, this season of discouragement, just a a couple of months, 40-plus days, And all of a sudden, he finally gets a word, go back the way you came. Now God's voice is framing everything. And there's clarity. Like God doesn't even address anything else. He said, get up, go back. Like, I still got a plan. And it's going to totally not make sense because the guy you're about to anoint, it's kind of a pagan dude. But trust my plan. Just because yours fell through does not mean that I did not have one in motion. What are you doing here? The plan is still unfolding. And can I just tell you, nothing will have you more stuck is that when you are being framed by all these other voices, God has so much on the other side of that for you that he does not want you to miss out on. But it's not until he is framing our life and we're filtering every voice through his voice, through his word, through the reality of scripture that we start to get clarity. What would life look like if you could hear him like never before? We got so much noise, so much chaos. What we're deeply longing for, though, some of us don't even realize is clarity. So let me give you a couple of quick things. I want to encourage you this week to find an imperfect place to be with God. Notice how I said imperfect place. A lot of us, when we think about spending time with God, we think about this perfect setting. Get my devotions, get my coffee. It's all just gonna work out. Throw some worships, maybe a little bit of jazz in the background. Make sure the fire's on the TV. Can I just tell you, that place does not exist every day. Find an imperfect place. I want you to, to write this down, I want you to think about this. It's not about geography as much as it's about consistency. You want to be familiar with the voice of God? Don't worry so much about where you're going to do it. Just make sure you're showing up every day saying, God, the posture of my heart is humility. I need to hear from you. I'm ready to receive. I know right now I'm in a bathroom. 
to get away from the kids. This is all I got. It's an imperfect place. God, I know right now it's, I'm in my car, in my driveway. It's cold. But I got to hear from you. Find an imperfect place. It's not about geography as much as it's about consistency. You get the consistency right, you won't regret it. You'll get clarity. Clarity comes with consistency. The second thing is this, is identify the voices framing your life. Who was in your grandstand? Listen, I'm not about canceling, but you got to cancel some voices. You got to let God filter out some of those voices that every time you're about to move or step out in faith, stops you in your tracks. Like, I'm, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go spend time with God, and it's not going to work. Like, even as I'm saying this right now, some of you, what's going through your mind is, I know it. Can I just ask you, but are you consistent with it? Is your life marked by the presence of God, by the voice of God, framing every aspect of your life? If not, can I just say there's room to grow? There's room to grow. What voices? Identify the voices framing your life and let the Holy Spirit begin to filter those voices through his voice. And what does that equal? It equals freedom. And then thirdly is don't put God in a box. If your plan is not working right now, can I just tell you, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have one. God knows what you need. You're going to have to trust him that he knows what you need. And it may not be what you think you need. Be okay with that. Trust him in this season. Lay down your life in this season. And say, God, there's a lot of things that I desire, but there's one that I seek. And that's to be with you. Show me your glory. I tell you what, we can experience the gentle whisper of God. Because Jesus took the wind, he took the fire, he took the shaking as the wrath of God was poured out upon him instead of us. Why? So that you and I could get the gentle whisper. We are hidden in the ultimate rock. We get the whisper because he took the fire. Let me pray for you. Will you stand? Father, we thank you. We thank you for our time together. You know, um, I was driving in my neighborhood this last week, and we found a dog that was running through our streets, and I'm like the dog guy. And so we tracked the dog down, messed up our whole day and our plans, but we were saving a life, right? It was so funny. We, uh, I was trying to lure the dog in, it wasn't coming, it wasn't coming, so finally, a lady asked, she said, well, what are you going to do when you catch him? I was like, well, I'm going to throw him in the back of my truck, and we'll go find the owner. She's like, okay, that sounds like a plan. So we end up luring him, he gets in the back of my truck. And so then I, Jackie, we're on our way to the fair, and Jackie's in the car, all my kids are in the car, so we're driving down the street, and I'm just so confident we're going to find his owner right away. So we drive down, hey, you ever seen this dog? No. 
You ever seen this dog? No, 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 no. Finally, I was like, oh, no. What am I going to do with this dog? So I drove home. And Jack's like, hey, we're meeting people. I got to take the kids. We switched cars. Messed up the whole day, right? So I get back in the truck. And I'm driving down the street. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I can't have another dog. <laughs> got to find these people. I'm trying to be a good neighbor, a hospitable neighbor. And so I'm, I'm getting ready to turn the corner on my street. And I, and I hear just this, this faint whisper. And so I stopped in the middle of the road. I was like, man, did I hear something? And so you could just hear, all right, all right. And it was getting louder and louder and louder and louder. Finally, I see this guy, this guy walking down my street hollering. It's one of my neighbors. And I said, hey, man, is this your dog? He said, let me see. So he looked in the back. He's like, that's my dog. Do you know how beautiful it was to see this dog come home? I was excited. that I didn't have to keep him. My neighbor came over. He, he brought us some eggs because they have chickens. He says, man, thank you so much. He was lost and now he's found. I was like, how much more on this Sunday, an average Sunday, not a spectacular Sunday, on this Sunday that God would say, some of you need to come home. Like, like listen, I didn't take you on this whole journey today so you can still be lost. Like, God wants you to come home today. Some of you guys have been far away. You know God, but you've been lost religiously, and it's time to come home. Some of you have been far away from God, and you just sense the voice of the Spirit calling you home. Some of you guys haven't sensed the voice of God in a while, but right now you know. So I want to pray for you. This is what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to invite you to come down right after service, and I want to pray with you personally. So step out of your seat. Come down here. Everybody else is leaving. You come up. Let me pray with you. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Our prayer team is going to be up here. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you and for you. Lord, seal this word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.